Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, product owners, all around this great big Agile world, welcome back to the return of Deliver It. It's your Agile product owners podcast. This is the start of season four. My name is Corey. This is also known as episode 66 that we'll be doing today. And I am happy to be back uh, podcasting, had a nice long break, did lots of things that I'll get to in a minute uh, and ready to be back for a new season. I've got some great things that I'm lining up for you guys and I hope you do enjoy it. Um, I have been traveling um, over the break. I've been uh, finishing with one student team at NC State and starting with another one um, who's had really good results in the two months that I've been working with them. Uh, we've been able to you know, continue getting better with our teams, continue improving, um, getting more focus on delivery uh, as the primary measure of progress, which most people should be okay with and agree to. Uh, and that's what we've been working on. Uh, also been working on starting my own little uh, company for something. Um, and that's really where the focus of today's topic came in. Uh, but focusing on uh, doing some things with that so that I can share with listeners, with uh, people who are interested. And um, it's just fun. So having some fun, trying some new things. Um, you know, got lots of ideas for presentations, lots of ideas for shows. Uh, for coming up. So we'll be going and exploring those as we go. Uh, a couple things that I have read in the break um, that I really liked. There was a couple books that I just loved um, that I was able to finish um, pretty soon after the season, finished last season. Um, Lean Thinking from James Womack, fantastic book. I think that and the um, product delivery, uh, product development flow books were two of my favorite ones that I read last year. Um, so, uh, lean thinking focuses again on waste, uh, focuses in on value streams, throughput, delivery, uh, really good chapters and really good information on those. And they do that through a lot of case studies as well, going from small companies in the U S large companies, um, you know, elsewhere, um, and other places, but really good, uh, book from James Womack that's been around a while. Uh, again, one of these older ones that I've discovered, uh, and really like the, the focus and the thought behind that book. Um, also picked up David Marquet's Turn the Ship Around. Um, I've recommended his talk that he did at Agile 2017, I think, before. And then reading his book is really, really good. Uh, really dives into some of the tactics and some of the strategic things that he did there for um, how he operated and how he got his group uh, and his uh, sailors to all become more uh, leaders. So he had a whole ship full of leaders instead of just a few that were giving orders. Uh, it's a really good book. Really highly recommend that. And then I also had a recommendation from a listener uh, to read Clark Ching's book, Rocks Rolling Downhill, which if you like the goal and the critical chain um, is that type of book. It's a business novel. Uh, it really gets into the theory of constraint and Kanban and good agile practices. So I really like those three. really enjoyed reading those three. Um, over the break, a uh, couple others that I finished as well, but those were the three that I thought were just fantastic and I highly recommended um, to the audience. Uh, something I read in the last week that really inspired me um, is from Hope Gurren. I know I'm mispronouncing that last name. Sorry, Hope. Uh, but it's called uh, Why I Can't Be a Good Girl and a Good Product Leader. Um, and it's from her point of view. So, of course, it's 
from from a, a female point of view. Uh, but the things that she talks about in there are really, really powerful things. Things like she wants to be liked, she wants to be helpful, she wants to support the team. So really people-pleasing type attitudes. And then how that conflicts with product leaders are effective, uh, most effective when they say no a lot. Um, and she goes through and gives very specific examples of how she's worked through with her stakeholders and her customers, uh, risks and cost examples um, when they come up with hypotheses for should we do this thing or should we not do this thing? Should we do this other thing? Um, and really, uh, she gets to the point where she talks about being the umbrella for the team and helps protecting those teams ability to focus on users and create that actual value. And that's, you know, kind of what uh, the dichotomy there is, is she can't do that and uh, be a good product leader. So really inspiring. And I've actually gone through some of those things in the last couple of weeks um, and been, you know, more firm uh, because we're getting to the point where as product owners, one of the things we do is we have a lot of conversations and sometimes we have a lot of the same conversations with different people or the same people and because they don't get it or we're not explaining it good enough or, you know, a myriad of other reasons. But at some point, you know, you can try to be nice. You can point out other things. You can list all the priorities you've got and say, you know, what's going to be cut here. And then at some point you have to say no. Uh, so I've gotten to that point uh, a couple of times lately as well. And so this was really helpful. Really, again, it's one of the things that product owners do. They kind of do it by themselves and alone, um, sadly. But this is a way to kind of show that there is support out there. There is other people that are, there are other people out there that are having the same problem that you have when it comes to saying no. So I really recommend Hope's article. Really like it a lot and hope you find uh, value in it as well. No doubt that this magnificent vessel will give excellent value for the dollars she'll be earning. So one of the things that I did while I was on a break, and I've been thinking about it for a while, is a way to have more of a consulting type or coaching type conversation with people, with listeners, and the ability to do that and what that would entail. Um, so I started my own little uh, consulting company. It's called Taiju Consulting. Uh, the website is seektaiju.com. And really, the focus of what that is and what I want to help coach and consult with product owners on is about finding balance. So the Taiju is kind of a word that I made up from the Chinese name of the yin-yang symbol. So shortened it to actually get to the point that, you know, seeking Taiju is about finding the balance. And finding that balance as a product owner is kind of the core of what makes you successful or not. Um, the balance, uh, very much like, you know, the yin-yang symbol, where it has duality. It's not an either or. It's not good or bad. There is yin and there is yang. Um, it's not a versus. It's not an or. It's not an opposite. It's more like this is with that, or this is this and that. This is harmony between those two things. And that's really where I think a lot of the difficulty in the role comes from. It's where I think a lot of success in the role comes from is finding a way to do that type of balance with those different and uh, you know seemingly contrasting aspects. But really, they are connected. They are interdependent aspects. Um, you know, so there is light and there is dark. There is appearing and disappearing. There's ebb and flow to all of these things. And that balance is constantly shifting and transforming from one side to the other. And that's really what I want to help product owners focus on. It's where I think most of the problems happen. Uh, and it's what I think 
we can actually focus on. So today, what I want to talk about is what are we actually balancing? What are some of the items that we go through and we need to try to find a way to balance? So that's the topic for today. Um, And I'll give a little bit more information. I promise this is not a big commercial for my consulting uh, that I'm doing on the side, but it's more of an explanation about why I think that's important for product owners. So again, some of those things that we are trying to balance day and night aspects, uh, ebb and flow aspects. Again, and these are not things that balance 50-50. Really, in your context, you have to find out what balance means for you. Maybe 50-50 is the right balance. Maybe it's, you know, 20-80, maybe 70-30. There's some aspect of these things that you'll want to balance with each other and find out what's best for you. And it'll change over time. At some point, the balance could be just starting out. Let's make sure we balance a little bit with these things as you, as your teams and as your products mature, I mean, as you mature, maybe it's one of these things where that balance shifts and that balance is now more 40, 60 uh, in the opposite direction than it was before. And that's okay. So maybe if you're concentrating on one a little bit more than you do the other, then, okay, how can I balance this out? How can I balance the yin aspect with the yang aspect? And we'll talk about some of the things that I think product owners should be balancing. Um, The first one, I think is the big one, uh, delivery and quality. What is What am I delivering? How high is the quality? There's a balance. There's a relationship between the two. Um, if I go for perfect quality, am I going to be able to get anything out? If I go for quick delivery, is the quality going to suffer because of that? There's a balance between I can deliver this and it's good enough. And that's where I think a lot of product owners and a lot of product conversations with teams need to be about is that quality and that delivery balance that we need to try to achieve. Another one is the business versus technical aspects. Uh, We're dealing with stories. We're dealing with sprints. We're releases. We have business concerns. We have technical concerns. There is a balance there, right? There is a duality there between we have enough business. We have enough technical. The business is balanced by that technical. The technical is focused on delivering some business value. So really looking at your story and saying, Uh, Is this a business-focused story? Is this a technical-focused story? Are there technical aspects that I need to focus on? Um, That type of a balance, I think, is something that's very important. Uh, The third one that I think is really big is the customers and the team. So am I focusing too much on the customers and not enough on the team? Or am I focused too much on the team and need to talk to clients, need to talk to stakeholders, need to talk to those types of people more so that I can try to achieve that balance. Again, if you see yourself, if you catch yourself saying, today I spent a lot of time on the team, then maybe tomorrow I need to spend a lot of time with customers. Or this sprint was, you know, 80% dedicated to customer problems. Next sprint, let's have 80% of that uh, sprint dedicated to customer problems. Maybe that's a way you can find balance. Again, it's not a a perfect balance, uh, but it's trying to balance the scales uh, for what you're doing in multiple aspects. And that's one of the things I really got excited about when I was thinking about this as a concept is it isn't about, you know, being that 50-50 balance. It's about trying to even out that scale a little bit more, again, based on your context. But, you know, I've been spending a lot of time focused on customers. Let's spend some time focused on team um, and find that the right balance for you for right now. And you can do it over a day, you can do it uh, stories, you could do it over a sprint, you could do it over a release, you could do it with teams if you have multiple teams that you're working with. Uh, maybe one team is focused more on one aspect of the product than another. And do you need to balance that? Those are the types of questions that I'm 
you know, interested in exploring with people and interested in exploring with myself and, you know, our teams that we're working with is, are we trying to balance these things out? And does that make sense for what we're doing? Another one that I think is a, a, a big balance is planning and reacting, planning and reacting. So we're planning our sprints, we're planning our releases, we're reacting to what we discover during those releases, we're reacting to what we, uh, the conversations that we're having, uh, new discoveries that come up. Um, we're trying to balance those, maybe our mode that we're in a firefighting mode and we need to be more reacting and still plan a little bit. Um, so how do we balance those two things? So planning and reacting, I think, are two big uh, aspects for us as product owners. If we're doing too much reacting, how can we do more planning? If we're doing too much planning and the reacting stuff always bites us, uh, how can we do more of that or plan for more of that so that we can find a way to have that balance and have things not scare us on either side of that? We often find ourselves communicating and doing. So there's, there's lots of conversations I've had with people where, when are we supposed to do the work? Because I'm in meetings all day. Uh, that's somewhat true. You are trying to talk to people. You're trying to talk to teams. You're trying to talk to stakeholders, clients, and everything else. And then you also have work that you need to do as a product owner. You need to take the time to write those stories. You need to take the time to, you know, go through those actions that you need to do, go through some thought processes, go through some, some other things. So you're communicating outwards, inwards, upwards, you know, sideways, any way you're communicating. And then you also have work that you need to do. Um, so how do you balance those out? Uh, <laughs> myself, I reserve time for that, right? I reserve time for doing. So my communicating, doing balance is, is not really even, it's really, uh, high on the communicating factor, less on the doing factor, but I do make time for those doing tasks that I know I need to do to achieve that balance, right? I know I have certain things that I need to do. If I make my to-do list, those are my three things I need to get done during the day. And then the rest of the time is talking about communication. Something I really liked was acting and thinking. Similar to doing and communicating, but I need think time. I need time to explore new ideas. I need time to learn. I need time to go for a walk and clear my head sometimes when I get really frustrated or really stuck on an idea. Um, and then I need to come back and act on that. I need to do something. I need to actually take some form of action. Um, so, And again, those are things I think need to be balanced. There's thinking about doing things. There's doing things. There's acting. Um, and sometimes if I'm all acting and I'm not having time to think, then I feel out of balance myself. So making time to figure out what that balance should be um, and then say, should I go the other way now? If I've been acting too much, do I need to start thinking more? Maybe I can take a 15 minute walk or maybe I need to take an hour for lunch and watch the latest mind the product video uh, just to explore a new idea or something I disagree with just to get me thinking about uh, a new idea or a new way of doing things. I'm certain that this is something we need to balance as product owners, uh, strength and weakness. So there are areas of our strengths. There are areas of things we know we know or we're really good at. And there's areas that we're not so good at, areas where we know we're weak. And how can we balance those out? What, what new thing do we want to learn that we're weak in right now that we can identify, hey, I'm weak in this. Um, I know I'm weak in this. And that's okay. How can I get better at that, right? What are my strengths? What are my weaknesses? How can I go about balancing those two? It's not that weaknesses don't exist. And that's why I think 
this notion is, you know, it's again, it's not good or bad. We all have strengths. We all have weaknesses. There is a balance there. How do we go through that? Same thing with positive and negative, right? I have some positive aspects in my personality and some things that I like doing. And I have some negative aspects in my personality and some things I, I don't like doing. How do I balance those out, right? If I, if I know I'm, I'm spending a lot of time on story development, but I'm not spending as much time on marketing or things like that because I don't like marketing, uh, that negative aspect, how can I work on that? Who can I get to help me with that to make sure that balance is achieved? Uh, confidence and doubt. Confidence. I'm confident about something and I have doubts about something else. Again, balance between I think I know, and I'm not sure, but how can we go about doing those? I really like those because, uh, again, if I'm always confident about something, then I'm not balanced. I don't feel a balance. I need to doubt either myself. I need to doubt some ideas. I need to, you know, engage that as a curious mind. Not I don't I don't believe you type doubts, but tell me more about that because I'm not sure I understand yet. Uh, including things and excluding things. So these are areas where we're bringing things in. We're rejecting things. Again, it gets back to saying no. We're not always saying yes. We're not always being inclusive of items we're going to take in and do. We're being exclusive of some things because those are the highest priority and these are not the highest priority. Um, So we're excluding some things. We're excluding some information um, because it's not relevant to what we're doing. It doesn't meet our vision. So we're going to exclude those things because they don't meet our vision. We're going to include these because they help us achieve our goals. So again, a balance between what you are keeping in and what you are keeping out. Same thing with expanding and contracting, right? There's new ideas we want to generate. So let's expand the idea pool. Let's have lots of ideas. And then once we get lots of ideas, let's contract it back down and try to find a subset of them um, that would actually work that we want to take forward with. So that's more the balance is expanding and contracting. This is one I got from a book that I'm currently reading, Stasis and Change. So there's things that work that are static that we've kind of set and they're rolling. And then there's continuous improvement. There's changes that we want to introduce. There's changes that are being introduced uh, to us, by us, for us. However, those things are happening. There's some stability and then there's some instability there. There's stasis and change. I like that aspect because, again, if we're only doing the same things the same way all the time, then we're not getting better. But if we're constantly changing, then that there's change fatigue, there's, you know, people get upset, there's always, uh, you know, we're never going to stabilize on something. So the idea as a product owner of, you know, are we introducing too many changes to the, to the team? Are we having too many changes with the uh, product that we're doing? Is there too much, uh, you know, have we upgraded, you know, is the team concerned about upgrading to the latest version of Angular or something like that? Uh, because we've been on this version for a while or, Anything that keeps the things, you know, we've, we've had the same sprint cadence for the last three years. Does that make sense? Or should we try to change something? Um, stasis and change, I think, are really good things to try to balance. Uh, it's something I've talked about a lot about, tactical and strategic. So we're looking up. We're looking, uh, another one is near and far. We're looking, we're looking at our current sprint, our current stories that we're doing. Uh, are we also looking at what's next sprint? What's six months from now? What's a year from now? Just conceptually, not sprint planning. Don't get me wrong. But are we looking up? Are we looking ahead? Or are we looking so focused down? And again, this is where I see 
some people want to have that split, right? Between product owners, chief product owners, product managers, whatever is I'm a product owner for this team and I never look up. I get told what to, what's coming in six months versus I'm a product manager. I only look at you know strategic things. I never get involved with the day-to-day. I think better product ownership is about doing both. Doing both. Strategic and tactical. Near views and far views. Um, there was a great book uh, from Malcolm Gladwell, I think, called Thinking Fast and Slow. And that's where this one comes from. There are things that we're going to do fast. There's things that we're going to do slow. There should be some type of duality there, right? There are some things we feel confident with we can do fast. There's some things we don't feel confident we can do slow. We're thinking slow or acting slow or doing slow or, or thinking fast or being fast. There's an idea there between do I feel like I'm going too fast in these aspects? Should I slow down and try to do some other things and other aspects? It's one I'm playing with. I kind of wanted to include it there just because it's an interesting thought. Uh, And maybe it's something I explore a little bit more. For the product specifically, are we focusing more on design or are we focusing on function? Um, There's a balance there, right? Uh, If we could have a perfect design, but we can't build it, then it's not functional. And if we have a functional thing, but it's not been designed or not been designed enough then is that good enough? So similar to your delivering quality, I think design and function are two aspects of your stories, two aspects of your sprints and your products that you need to be able to weigh and balance against each other uh, or balance with each other so that you can come to a happy place to get those stories and get those uh, value delivered for your customers. Uh, Something related to the actual things we're asking and talking to people about, balancing story and experience. I think it's pretty powerful. The stories that we're telling, the stories that we're asking people to work on, the not the written story, but the talking of those stories and the experience of the people that are doing the work or experience of people of frustrations that they've had or problems they've seen or successes that they've seen with some of those items. I think balancing those two aspects of story and experience, very powerful um, to get conversations started with teams, with customers. Here's a story we're working on. Tell me your experience with the story. Here's my experience with your product. Oh, that could become a story that we can tell our developers, our teams, and our stakeholders. Those two things really do intermix, I think, uh, really well too. And then the last one I'll bring up is talking and listening. Again, it's not talking or listening. Um, I don't want to do one or the other I want to do both. I want to do, in this aspect, most aspects, I want to do more listening and less talking, but I still need to talk. I still need to ask questions once I've listened and understood uh, and repeat back to them either what I heard them say or ask insightful and powerful questions. That's the talking aspect. So talking and listening, I think, as a product owner, again, very powerful things to balance. And those are just some of the ideas that I could think of Um, that I've been going through and doing some research on. Again, I'm reading a fantastic book on stories, specifically screenwriting, because why not? Um, But there's lots of aspects there that that's what most people say. I mean, it's the subtitle of Bob's book. It's what a lot of things people talk about balancing as a product owner. Yes, we're trying to balance, you know, the four quadrants of product ownerships, build the right thing at the right time, you know, build the thing right. 
all those different Venn diagrams that you see in quadrants and everything else. I think there's so much more to that as well. And that's what I kind of wanted to focus on. That's what I kind of wanted to talk about today is what are we actually trying to balance there? And how do we know if we're in balance or if we're out of balance? So some ideas for you. Hope that finds useful. Um, And again, I'll give you a little bit more information about my uh, little consulting thing on the side at the end of the show. So we got some great articles from Marin Eichmann and from Roman Pitchler about balance too. We'll put a link to those in the show notes. And if you have any feedback or any questions about product ownership, you can contact the show on Twitter at DeliberateCast or email us at DeliberateCast at gmail.com. If you do enjoy the show, please share it with a friend. Tell them why you love it. And while you're at it, you can leave us a rating and a review. Got one question today from Richard who wants to ask a question about the product backlog. And he says, I've just recently assumed the role as a product owner and am new to it. I've noticed the backlog has bugs and user stories almost a year old and quite a bit submitted by developers. What are some approaches to clearing this up? I've begun soliciting updates and feedback. Okay, so this is the traditional, I've got a big backlog with stuff that have been here forever. What do I do about it? Uh, I am doing something very similar to this type of aspect, which is I want to try to keep my backlog to a certain reasonable number. And what is reasonable? It varies. I like the Dunbar number. It's about 150. I have a multiple number of teams, so 150 times that, that's my program backlog. And that includes epics and that includes all the other things that we're doing. So I try to keep it to a number there. Um, In order to do that, one of the things I'm doing is I'm going through every quarter and looking at what hasn't been touched, what hasn't been looked at, discussed, uh, prioritized, or had any other feedback in the last 200 days. So six plus months, almost seven months, what hasn't been, what has had nothing done to it in seven months? Those are easy things for me to go, you're out of here. Uh, it's, it's being pretty ruthless. It's being, I, I love that word from Jeff because uh, that is what I'm doing. I'm being very ruthless about if nobody's talked about this in a team, nobody's updated any information, nobody's asked about it. We haven't prioritized it for a sprint. We haven't done anything with it for seven months. That's my cutoff for saying, we're just going to get rid of it. Now I'm not deleting it, but I am archiving it saying, you know, we're not doing that. Uh, and when the inevitable question happens of, Hey, I saw you close my thing. It's still a problem. I say, sure. i if it is a problem and you want us to fix it, then let's prioritize it. If not, then it's going to get closed because in seven months or whatever your definition of too long to be open is it hasn't been uh, it hasn't been looked at, worked on, prioritized or anything. Um, and if you keep doing that kind of regular cleanup uh, for things that a haven't been touched in X amount of time, and then things that have been touched, but we're obviously not going to prioritize it. Right? It's it's always number one twenty on your list. Obviously, you know you're not going to get to it. Admit you're not going to get to it. Move on. Go to the next thing, right? You've got a hundred other priorities that you could be working on. Nobody cares about 120 enough to prioritize it to the point where you actually get it done. So those are the things that I'm doing right now. Um, I'm also going through and saying, here's work that we've had in progress for a while um, and we've been stuck on. What do we want to do about it? Yes, we've done some work. 
We're not going to fall prey to the skunk cost fallacy and just keep working on it because it makes sense. We're going to stop. We're going to stop on this epic. We're going to stop on this story. We're going to close it. We're going to say we've done enough. And then we're going to go, um, you know, work on something else that's more important or that has more value on it. Uh, so I've done both of those things. We've done it with poker. We've done it with uh, multiple planning things when we bring up our sessions. Um, just, you know, keep that number to a reasonable level, whatever that is for you. Um, and be vigilant about it. You know, every so often come back to it, clean it up, uh, ask people who've submitted things. Hey, you submitted, you know, these four things, uh, you know, two years ago, do you still need them? Odds are they either do need them or don't need them. And they forgot about them. Uh, again, you don't want your backlogs to become just a dumping ground for anything that somebody thinks up. You want it to be an active living list of things that need to get prioritized and done. And if it comes something else, then do something else with it. Um, I've also, and again, this gets back to the, the thing that really drove home was uh, when I was listening to Ryan Ripley's presentation on stage and he had people raise their hand for how many people had a bug or a story in their system that's been open for X number of years. And he had people with five, six, nine years, they've had a story or a bug open in their system. They're never going to close it. Just go ahead and admit it. Bite the bullet. You know, again, <laughs> product leadership means saying no to a lot of things. What I'm saying no to is about 100 stories, defects every six months or every three months, actually, uh, for things that haven't been looked at. It's like, we're not doing these guys. We're just not. Uh, and if something is a real priority, then it'll really get prioritized and you'll really do it. And that's great. Uh, but again, that's that's my strategy and some of the things I've done in the past. So hopefully, Richard, you find something that works for you. Uh, if any listeners have any suggestions for things you're doing to keep your backlog cleaned up, uh, please send them into the show and we will share them with our audience. All right. And that's going to do it for this episode of Deliver It. The first episode back for season four. Like I said, we got a lot of things coming this season. Uh, lots of good uh, guests that we're going to have on. Uh, lots of good topics. I'm still looking for your topic suggestions and anything you want to talk about. If you want to revisit stories or you want to revisit any of the other things that we've talked about, or if you think I should have a certain guest on, please let me know who that is. Um, and I will certainly try to get them in touch and see what we can talk to them about product ownership uh, for the show is. If you would like some one-on-one -on -one help with finding your product owner balance, coaching or consulting, you can check out Seek Taiju. Com. All opinions expressed here are mine. You can find more at is Corey Bryan on Twitter. That is episode number 66 delivered. Go out and own your outcome. This show is part of the Agile Podcast Network. For more shows and information, visit agilepodcastnetwork.com.